Katie Williams from the Maitland region of New South Wales and Director of The Vault Bookkeeping is our special guest today on Heart of the Bookkeeper. Katie is one of the new breed of professional bookkeepers emerging right now across Australia and brings some exciting perspectives and definitely some raw energies to our profession. To hear from a young and highly motivated bookkeeper such as Katie, as you will in this episode, is simply both infectious and motivating. This episode is very much a glimpse into the future, as well as yet another call out of the challenges that exist in bookkeeping and for bookkeepers, no matter what your age or level of experience that you are at. My name is Rob Marshall, and this podcast is all about bookkeepers helping bookkeepers helping business. Katie Williams is making that her vision for the future of our community and our industry, and therefore I encourage you to sit back and hear her wonderful story and approach to this. Enjoy. Thrilled, excited. They're all words that come to mind and I can think of plenty more for the young lady that is our guest on Heart of the Bookkeeper in this episode. A big, big welcome to Katie Williams. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today, Katie. Thank you, Rob. It's really exciting to be here. What I'm loving about today is that we've got, as I said, an amazing young lady, which is uh, kind of rare in a little bit in our uh, community, in the bookkeeping community joining us. Uh, we won't uh, necessarily go into exactly her age because that's an in- inappropriate thing for a man to ask an, a, a lady. But Katie, tell me, how long have you been in the bookkeeping game for? I feel like it's just been a minute. It's only been six years and so it probably is just a minute. It is. Um, but it has been a long six years because we have had the lovely pandemic in between it and I feel like I've learned so much just going through that uh, pandemic uh, and having to learn on the go. But, yeah, in terms of our industry, uh, six years is next to nothing. Well, I won't I won't go into too deep how long I've been around, but you know, you could probably <laughs> times that by four or five and you might get somewhere close. We'll let the uh, the uh, listeners work that one out. Um, six years and and like you say, three or four of that has been through some of the most traumatic or difficult time we've seen in our generation. Let, let's go with the fact that um, you are very young in the uh, the bookkeeping space, and as a result of that, we're really keen to to get your views because I've spoken to uh, a couple of your associates, uh, Rochelle in particular, who works for you uh, at the Vault Bookkeeping, and we'll find out a little bit more about the Vault Bookkeeping in in a short time. And Rochelle assures me that uh, you are somebody with a vision and you certainly have a lot of um, aspirations ahead of you as a bookkeeper. So that's uh, that's the fascinating piece. But we won't get too far down the track We're, at this point. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll wind the clock back a bit. You, um, you hail from Maitland. Now, I'm going to admit as a southwest West Australian, I'm not really sure too much about Maitland and in particular you've referenced to me a... Bolwara, is it? So I'll be quiet and you tell us a little bit about Bolwara. Ah, 
It's Bulwara. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know, a little tricky one. Uh, it's a little quiet suburb, uh, just a little bit to the uh, northwest, I guess, of uh, Maitland. So we, it's a little quiet suburb, semi-rural. There's lots of turf farms, hobby farms, and just some decent-sized residential blocks. But I don't, yeah, it's, it's only probably been my home for about 11 years. And previous to that, yeah, we've been, I've been in a few places, but we did build our home a little over four years ago uh, for our children. And look, I think I'm nearly past the length of thinking I possibly one day may build again, but I'm still <laughs> probably a little bit scarred. <laughs> um, so yeah, now our, our backyard actually backs onto the beautiful Hunter River. So wow. yeah, pretty lucky. So so position this for me again as a as a maybe slightly ignorant southwest West Australian. Um, yeah. Sort of um, how far out of Sydney, for example, are you? So you have to go north from Sydney by two hours, right? And then you'll hit the beautiful Newcastle, which yes. is the beach city where you'll now find the supercars. Yes, yes. Or the Newcastle Five Hundred, and then from there you need to go back inland to just only twenty-five minutes, and you'll hit Maitland. A bit further above us is now the Hunter Valley, which you'd be known for its beautiful wines and also its mining as well. So we do a lot of coal mining, black coal mining here, and if you're not in coal mining, you're in the wines. So, yeah, we're just in between Newcastle and the valley. And, and the Hunter River, is there an opportunity for fishing maybe and that sort of thing yeah. in the Hunter River, yeah? Yeah, so the Hunter River is um, quite a unique little river. So it is half tight, uh, well, where we are it's a bit tidal, but it's half fresh and then it goes into a salt water. So it actually joins up to the Hexham uh, area and they used to use it a lot for the industrial um, transport. Right, okay. Yeah. Well, one of the things that uh, I get out of doing this podcast is is uh, I'm travelling around Australia without actually having to hop, hop on a plane. Uh, I'm I'm definitely, I've already written down, head to, now tell me again, it's not Bulwara, I've got that wrong. Bulwara. Bulwara. Yeah, Bulwara. Right, okay. Yeah. yeah, all right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll work on that one and uh, certainly it's now on my bucket list to come and visit um, and check out. It wasn't always your home though. You've grown up elsewhere? Yeah, I was actually born in a small little raft town called Madawi, which is actually closer to Nelson's Bay, mm-hmm. uh, mainly predominantly with the RAF uh, family uh, because it was so close to Williamtown, the RAF base there at Williamtown. Right, yep. Uh, my family packed up and moved when myself and my siblings were closer to the high school age uh, where they decided that because there's no high school in Madawi, that they wanted to be closer to town where we had more opportunity to, you know, go to the high schools that we chose to go to rather than our feeder high school. Uh, also, they worked in Newcastle as well, so it was about a half an hour to 45-minute drive for them. So we then uh, bought, well, my parents bought a house in Walls End, which is just a little town within Newcastle, mm-hmm. and I grew up there. Right. And so I went, I, I lived there and I also moved in and spent most of my 18 to 21 living in the city of Newcastle. And then from there I actually met a boy who lived on the country and so the city met the country. Okay. Um, And that's how I became in the middle in Maitland. And the rest is history, as they say. So Ian and Donna, mum and dad. um, Yes. what uh, what, What were the drivers for them? What were they doing at the time when you were growing up? Yeah, so my dad actually recently retired this year after 
37 years driving trains. Right. So okay. he was a coal, coal train driver and then he moved up and progressed within the Pacific National Train um, Driving or before back in the days with State Rail. Yes. Um, so mainly in the coal mining rail. Um, so he's recently retired. My mum is still working and she's actually in many, uh, in banking, so she's a bank manager uh, and she also works for the mining and the maritime On um, your mum. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah, so, yeah, that she's still working and uh, plans to probably semi-retire soon. Right, okay. And and your siblings you mentioned, you've got brothers and sisters, obviously. Yeah, I've got two sisters and a brother. Yep. Uh, my older sister actually works within a, a large accounting firm here as well, uh, okay. um, um, but one of the big fours. Yes. And my younger sister was a hairdresser turned uh, aged care worker now, so she's actually working with a high high Alzheimer's and high dementia unit, and she uh, really loves that. Fantastic. And my brother, yeah, he's in the trades. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Well, make sure you tell your sister if she has decides to do a, a sea change. I own a barber shop over here in Western Australia and we are desperate for staff like uh, so many people at the moment. So, uh, yeah, shout I out for that. Not, <laughs> I will not tell her that because she has been continually telling me over the last couple of years how much she desperately wants to move to, is it Frogmouth or Plyme, something Mouth in Western Australia? Exmouth maybe. That's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, she wants to move there. <laughs> and she's like, I just really want to move there. So I won't tell her that. Well, <laughs> given where we are, she might as if she's in Exmouth, she might as well be in uh, Balwara because that's about as far away from here as it gets. So oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not really, not really super helpful for me on that one. But uh, no. we'll, we'll work with. We're getting it maybe at least into the state, so that's good. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you are married with kids. Do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, about about hubby and the kids? Yeah, so when the country boy yeah, surprises you um, yeah. and, yeah, takes you off your feet. As country boys do. <laughs> that's it. So he was actually born and bred on a cattle and chicken farm. Oh, nice. Uh, but, yeah, he's also in the mining game as well. Right, yes. <laughs> Again. Common like theme. <laughs> Common theme. So, yeah, uh, we have had two beautiful children together. So we have a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old, both little girls. And, yeah, they keep me going every day. Yeah, uh, and the reason why, yeah, I fell into this role, <laughs> which I'm sure I'll unpack soon, but, yes. yeah, uh, this is the reason I do it is I do it for them. Well, so many of, of the guests that we have interviewed so far and certainly so many, well, virtually all the bookkeepers that I've spoken to of recent times as we've gone around Australia on our summit have a story as to how they fell into bookkeeping. So you've referenced it. Let's maybe go there next. Where How, how did bookkeeping come about and was that sort of your go-to from you mentioned about going to a high school? Was that where you were headed or...? No. no. So in year, I went right through to year 12. Yes. And I actually had it in my mind that I wanted to become a nurse. Right. And uh, I did some on-the-job training in year 11 and 12 and realised it definitely was not for me. I had too much of an open heart and it, it just killed me. I couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, so I rethought that and thought, maybe I want to be a teacher. Like, that's definitely more what I want to do. And then I realised... I'm actually not really great with kids. <laughs> Good <laughs> and, revelation to have at yeah, that point. <laughs> yeah, and I am really bad at remembering people's names. So <laughs> I thought that is a really terrible idea. <laughs> uh, so my mum being in banking 
had this brilliant idea because I was only young age of 17 when I finished year 12. I wasn't ready to go to, I couldn't go to school this. So she's like, it's great. Come and do a traineeship with us. And then when you're old enough, you can go and do your holiday. So I fell into finance in banking and I did my, my traineeship in banking. And from there, I actually moved into lending and insurance. And then the superannuation fund for the miners is actually quite connected and we knew the CEO at the stage, Bruce Watson, and I said to him, I think I'm really interested in super. Like maybe I maybe I want to go there. Yeah. So I actually moved over to superannuation and I did my certification in superannuation. And I was actually working on a particular project within uh, Oddscoll at the time, but it's Mind Super now, uh, with some pretty big companies uh, helping them out. And it was there that I actually got sucked up um, or, or found, should I say, um, by one of the bigger companies. And at the time I was making my country change. Right, yes. Um, and I needed somewhere that was closer to the country so I wasn't travelling an hour everywhere. So I actually went and started working for one of the bigger mining companies and I was doing a lot of their TAE or their training and assessing. So to, to enter into a mine site, you actually have to be uh, assessed and familiarized and you have to do inductions and those all had to be done. So I was actually in charge of doing all of that. Um, so I had to assist the trainers and assessors to actually produce the materials that needed to happen. Uh, and then from there, I also had to then make sure everyone was compliant and yep. once the year had been up, you know, so pretty much handling all of that. Yep. Then from there, we decided that we weren't going to stay in Singleton and we wanted to move closer to the city because I just was not coping with being so far away from my family. <laughs> um, so can I yeah. stop you at that point? Singleton is in a country region of New South Wales, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's good like an hour and 20 minutes from my family and I was missing the beach, missing my friends, right. missing my family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so a degree of isolation from that perspective. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And unfortunately, my, my husband's family were going through a bit of a separation as well. So there was some settlements that were happening and houses being sold. So we ended up deciding, I think this is our time to get off the property and actually find our own. So that's when we decided we'll, we'll move to Maitland, which is actually in between both Newcastle and Singleton. Yeah. You've basically already started, and we'll get we'll get to the end in a moment, but you've already started to give us a picture of the fact that a lot of the things like super, obviously, and working within financial services in a bank, which is I'm guessing where Correct. you were with mum, um, they have so many connectors with what you're doing now. And I'll ask the question now and I'll get, get you to continue the story in a moment. Are you already reflecting on the fact that that has set you up strongly for what you're doing right now? 100%. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And did I think it would circle around to this? Not at all. Um, but I'm so glad I had lived the experiences already and been around people because it has definitely set me up for where I am right now. And, and I think yeah. I, I want to just hone in on that for a moment because I, I feel as though, and we're going to talk about this a bit more, we've talked about it in some previous episodes as well with um, Alexi Boyd in particular. I know that in a bit of a conversation you and I had prior to, to, to recording this, you you identify with feeling that imposter syndrome scenario, um, which so many of us do feel, I reckon, more, more than possibly, you know, people are willing to acknowledge or willing to, to put out there. Um, I think, though, that 
despite the feelings, which we'll tap into in a moment, so many of our community have had life experiences like you have, even though you're still at a very young age, that set themselves up so well for bookkeeping. You know, I reflect on my own journey and the things that I did and they weren't always about bookkeeping. For You know, I picked fruit and I, you know, I shoveled uh, superannua- uh, superannuation, superphosphate and a different type of super uh, for many, many years, you know, before I really started. But it was those... And I know this is a term that I've heard you use as well in, in a preamble that we did. You know, it's creating that village around you of, of, of experiences. And I think, I think, and I'm just broadly saying this, in the community we are in, the bookkeeping community, those experiences shine through in the, in the best professional bookkeepers around Australia. And we've got thankfully, so many of them, and people are starting to understand that. So it's great for me to hear a younger bookkeeper already acknowledging that. Sometimes you don't realise that, um, Katie, till you're my age, and we won't go too deep into how old I am, but um, sometimes the reflection comes almost too late. You're reflecting on that, I can tell already, and that's that's a huge benefit to your clients, I believe. (laughs) Continuing on with the end, so you've you've basically got to the point where you're now exploring some other options. Yeah, so my last role before I actually decided, or I wouldn't even say I decided, I literally just fell in my lap in a way and I was doing it and not even realising I was doing it, was I actually worked for Caterpillar. So um, I... Yeah, so I was doing actually the contract management for Caterpillar and from there, you know, I would deal with the supply or the client at the time and then create, work out what type of machinery they wanted. Then we would build it from start to finish and I was in charge of making sure that the labour was on the jobs, the materials were on the jobs and it came in yeah. know, as yeah. a profit. Yeah. Um, so from there, uh, I then fell pregnant with my first child and 40 hours a week just was not doable when I had a husband who worked really ridiculously shift work it's it's all over the shop there's no there's no continuous system with it um and how was I going to get hired no one wanted and and that's the biggest thing we find a struggle here in the Hunter Valley is no one can hire women with shift working husbands here because the rosters are all over the show and yeah, so I thought to myself, this is not going to work. And my parents at the time had invested in a business, a uh, pet shop business here in the Hunter. Oh, yeah. And my uncle was running, was half the investor as well, and they needed someone to look after the bookwork because <laughs> they didn't know anything about it. And, well, supposedly I did. Um, <laughs> so I gave it a crack while I was actually having a baby. And during that, I thought, I really like this. This is actually exactly what I want to do. I love working with people and I love helping them in their business. This is perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I just started my certificate for while, while having a child. Uh, I finished it within 12 months. And from there, I got a couple of clients, um, just happened to be friends of family members. Um, and because I had been doing for the last couple of years for the family business, I'd been working so closely with the accountancy firm and I'd been doing a lot of work with them. They were actually happy to assist me with that record of, um, doing the bookkeeping. And so from there, I was actually able to get my hand held it and get my bass agent license as well. So I was very fortunate, but in saying that I, I look at what, people have to face coming into this industry and I feel that that's actually what makes me I guess 
feel for them because mm. it is so hard to get into our industry now, which is good, but also not so great either. So um, I think people have this image in their head that I'll go and get my certificate and then that will be fine. I can just I can just open my own business and it will be all good. <laughs> and it's not the way it works. Uh, your call out on that and the wisdom that you're uh, tapping into there is incredible, Katie, because, yes, I've said that for many, many, many years, that uh, it's one thing to think or know that you can possibly do something. It's a completely another thing to then turn that into a business and more particularly a sustainable business. And that's where a lot of people come unstuck. And we know the statistics here in Australia, something like four out of five businesses fail within the first six to 12 months or, you know, and don't quote me on that, but it's in that zone. Um, and your call out there is spot on and that goes for bookkeeping as well. And that's what we've been ex- examining. You know, we had a chat in our last episode with with Hayley, Hayley Calms, who called out the fact that, you know, you can, you know, she, she contrasted working on her own and then working within a bigger company and, and it's it's where you fit best or it's where you find mm. that fit, I guess. So let, let's move into some of the challenges you, you first faced when you first set up. Um, now, was it uh, the vault bookkeeping right from the get-go? Was that a name that jumped out at you? Yeah, look, um, it actually was a thing that I came up with because I wanted it to be a safe place for people's businesses. I wanted them to come to me and feel like I understood 100% that this was their baby and this is what meant the world to them and I had to keep that yep. safe. yep. And then I guess reverse it to the fact that I come from finance and I'm used to being in the banking sector Uh and it's a vault. Love it. Um, So where do you put your safe stuff in a vault? Yeah. Um, So that's where the vault came from. Uh, And I always, and I still do have it in my mind that it one at one stage will be a one-stop shop. Not sure when or how, but at the moment we're doing bookkeeping well and that's where we'll stay. But whether that will mean that, social media, um, HR, who knows? Yep. But I'm, I'm open. Well done. And hang on to that dream and <laughs> keep working towards that would be my encouragement. 1996, I had a vision in my head of what I'm doing right now. And it's pretty much exactly how I planned it in 1996, but it took me at least another 10 to 15 years to even start to shape it in the way that, uh, that and in the way that I do things currently. So you've got to be patient when you've got a vision and that's what you've got is a vision there and I'd encourage you to hang on to that vision, that one-stop shop. I feel you'll nail it, Katie. But, uh, we, might yeah. ta- we might tap in in three or four years' time and do part B of Katie Williams, uh, Heart of the Bookkeeper right. perhaps, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's go back to, though, the vault bookkeeping is now a thing and it started. What, what were those first few weeks like? What were those first few months like for you? So um, I had the, the first original client obviously being my mum and her brother in their, their shop. And then from there I had a few, a few friends of the families top on and I was just working with them with their business and that's when I actually realised how much I really enjoyed it. And the business, yes, it has definitely changed. Uh, I remember the first employee I put on who is still here today and I have her to thank for why I'm on the podcast. Yeah, Rochelle. Yeah, well done, Rochelle. Um, Yeah, who has years of more experience than I do. Uh, However, I 
when I reached out to our accountancy at the first time and said, I think I need someone to help me. I'm getting too much and I can't do it all by myself. And she's like, oh, actually, I've, I've got someone. I think think what this will work really well. And I said to her, I don't even know if I can give you eight hours a week. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, that's okay. That will be fine because her partner also or her husband also works in the mining. So that's fine. And I think the next week she did 38 hours. So, (laughs) and still to this day, she's still with me um, as, uh, well, my longest standing employee. That's so good, yeah. Um, And I absolutely adore her and I could not at all do this without her. Um, She's my constant. Yeah. And I'm the most, I'm always like, what can we do next? Let's go, let's go, come on, come on. Um, She's also what she would refer to as not technically savvy. So I'm always giving her more, like, let's do chat GPT. She's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, let's do it. Come on. Um, so, yeah, we're we're all about tech first. And I guess she also gives me that understanding of when I do get the clients who aren't tech savvy, she really relates to them and she can get them into yeah. that yeah. mode too because she can say, well, I got there. You know, I'm doing this. <laughs> So it's great. Um, and I guess that shows the diversity in our business here at The Vault as well. So my youngest staff member was 21 when she started. Um, mm-hmm. She's nearly about to finish her traineeship. And we have another uh, young trainee starting in two weeks as well. That's amazing. So I have also another bookkeeper who is at the age of over 60 as well. So there's going to be five of us. Um, And I have some subcontractors who also work for us as well. So I love that we are age diverse. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I think I like the most making it fashionable again. And I spoke to you about this before. You did. Expand. It's so funny that none of my friends, or they actually say to me, what does a bookkeeper do? (laughs) I'm like, hmm. I don't actually know either. No, I do. Yeah, "Yeah, good point. Good point. Um, So it's one of those, and we spoke about it the last summit. Yes. Is it time to change the name bookkeeper? Mm. I I don't happen to know the yes or no to that. Um, I just feel that something is going to make it fashionable again because it is such a crucial part of people's businesses. And I've just recently had a new potential client reach out to me today on Facebook saying, I'm paying all this money and I don't actually know what I'm doing and it's to an accountant, but I think I actually need a bookkeeper. What do you do? Yeah. You know, what does a bookkeeper do? Yeah. Um, and so I just think that people see us as, yeah, that back in the day. And, and I think that's the key point. That's the bit we're certainly exploring at ICB and, and members listening in on this right now and we get listeners who aren't members, but members listening in will know that, you know, we really champion the, the terminology professional bookkeeper. We, we sort of feel that, yeah, certainly the fashionable side of it does come into to how things are going to evolve perhaps in the future, but more so is understanding. And I think that's, and I'm talking about understanding from SMEs or business owners mm. about how much of an impact a bookkeeper can make in their not only business but in their lives. Now, you, you've mentioned even within your own business, if you take off your hat as a bookkeeper and just put on your business owner's hat, you know, you've spoken so openly and so fondly of Rochelle and what she's done and others that are working for you. And 
And that's what a bookkeeper becomes almost as part of a business. They become ingrained. They become that person that go to for so many things like what was asked to you on Facebook um, today. You know, what, what can you do for me? Well, it becomes nearly everything in some ways. A bookkeeper is so um, diverse in their skills and their knowledge um, that they become the go-to for so many business owners out there. Well done on what you're already doing with your vision and that age diversity that you, I like that term. I haven't probably heard that one before, but that age diversity that you're creating and that culture you're creating at um, the Vault Bookkeeping, that is a wonderful, wonderful model. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll continue to watch that with a lot of interest. I want to I still drill down into the challenges that, um, because we get a lot of listeners tuning in who are probably even further back in the journey. In other words, they're less than six years in, you know, they might only be one year in or six months in or whatever. I know you had, obviously you had some young kids at that point, you still got young kids, but how did you go juggling being mum and business owner and bookkeeper? Yeah. So when I first started my business, I was open and honest with my clients. This is, I'm a mum first and I was a business owner second at that stage until, you know, they were not so reliant on me for everything. And my clients were so understanding of that. And I think that that's kind of a vision I've actually even taken throughout now that I'm not, obviously I work work days now. But back in those days, most of my work was done at night and I was just, and I guess pre-COVID, that was really unheard of. You know, yep. it was unheard of flexibility in the workplace. Yep. Uh, because my clientele also did most of their work through the day, when I was speaking to them, the afternoons was fantastic for them. So it worked really well for them. So I think it was just about communication with the client and, and picking the client not because they were just coming to you, but making sure they worked with what your values were mm-hmm. and having your vision. And it's one thing I actually ask straight up to all of my clients now is what is your visions and values? Like what honestly <laughs> are you wanting to get out of this? So and then good. the second question I have is what's the exit plan? And yeah. they just look at me and go, what do you mean? Like <laughs> I've just come to you. Why are you asking me what's happening when we're finished? Like, cause I want to know, like, are you in this for the next 60 years or are you wanting to, you know, travel to Ibiza. I don't know. Like, yeah. what do you want? What are we doing? Yeah. If you don't know how you're driving the bus, how do, how do I know? So they're usually the first two questions I ask. So that's also the questions I, I have for myself and that's my visions and values. So I was really open and honest with my, my clients that I have a young family and I need to work around them and they were 100% yeah, so good. really understanding about so it. Good. Then COVID hit. And COVID was not so understanding. I had two children who needed to be homeschooled along with trying to run everyone's businesses or falling down. That was really hard. Um, My husband was a um, priority worker. He had to continue working and he tried his best to help with schoolwork, but schooling was not for him either. So that was a struggle. Um, And again, my, I was just working with those clients. Most of them, to be honest, were in the same position as me. Yeah, yeah. So communication, communication. When we were also going through COVID, I made this really weird promise to Rochelle that if she got, we got a one more client that was of X dollar factor, I'll get her an office. Because at that stage, we were working in a bedroom in our house with my <laughs> children. So, you know, I 
promised her, I'll get you an office. And little do I know, the next month, here we go. I was There's having to with that promise. Yeah. <laughs> and then COVID shut down. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. But because we already knew what virtual was, it was no different to our clients. We we already had all the, the because I never actually did face-to-face bookkeeping. I guess I came from a, the avenue that, I was doing this after hours, so none of my clients expected me to be face-to-face. So at no stage did, through COVID did I ever have to explain to a client, I can't come to your office. Yeah, yeah. So I think I started my bookkeeping business literally in the model that people are now at. Mm-hmm. I, I think you've you've called out again uh, a journey that so many would resonate with right now that they had to go on through COVID, certainly resonates with me. We had the same thing. We've, you know, I'm coming to you, as you can see, the listeners can't see, they can only hear, but uh, from from my office in, in Eton in Western Australia, you know, I had staff. I had, a, you know, you mentioned about Rochelle being uh, a loyal and amazing employee for a long time. I've got uh, a lady called Jo who's worked for me for 17 years now and we had to try and work out exactly how to unpack the whole office, deal with clients a bit and, in most cases, as all of us know, we didn't really have a lot of choices. If you were in lockdown, you couldn't go anywhere. And yet I found exactly what you were saying. There was hardly a client who complained or or said, you know, no, you've got to find a way to come to me because that's what you've always done, Rob. Because they, like you said, they were in the same boat as well and they were probably dealing with similar conversations with their client base in whatever business they were in. Um, so those challenges were were clearly there for all of us. And again, you uh, showed some some great uh, leadership there and wisdom mm-hmm. to find ways around that. Where do you find yourself now? I, I'm, I'm still loath to say we're post-COVID because there's COVID raging everywhere, but we're post-lockdowns, yeah. let's put it that way, thankfully. Um, where is the office scenario working for you? How have you, dare I say it, that when funky I'm... word, pivoted? How, how have you... Uh, how, how have you transpired or what has transpired for you now? We pivoted, I guess, backwards. We pivoted to an office space. Yes. Um, So we pivoted to an office space, which I I just don't know how I wouldn't now be in an office uh, because of the the trainees and the knowledge passing. Yep. And just that teamness. So, um, yeah, so we're based in an office now, but the office is still open plan though. So we're not in little offices in, in ways, but no, it's all open plan still. Um, so there's still that teamwork. We only work a full-time four-day week. Uh, we've right. been doing that ever Great. since I started. Love it. So no one works on a Friday. Excellent. Yes, and I discovered um, that when I tried to reach out to you on a Friday recently, <laughs> yes, which was great. You didn't respond, which yeah. was good. <laughs> no, no. And again, not one client of ours, and I put this out to everyone because I actually see it on Facebook a lot, and I hope that it's just people like me who are on Facebook in their spare time, but I do see so many of us working ridiculous hours. Yeah. And I just want you to think about why are you actually doing bookkeeping in the first place? Yeah. You, if you cannot instill in your clients boundaries and instill business hours, how do they model that? Mm. You're kind of showing them an expectation that you need to literally live to work in your business. And that is not what we're here for. We want 
them to have a business that works for them. Well, that's what I model my clients to do. I model them that this business should survive if for tomorrow you were to drop on the ground and break your leg or something. Like this business should still keep running. It should not be in here. So then how do we instill that if we're doing that? So, so good. So, so good. Now, if you're you're tuning in right now and uh, you're going in with podcasts, can you rewind? Well, I'm suggesting you rewind and just listen to the wisdom of, of a young lady there who's called something out that is so important for us all to examine regularly because you're right, Katie. Um, you see, we all see the weariness and the, the tiredness that even on social media, like you say, you, you know, and then when you connect up at things like we just had, the summit, everybody says the same, you know, how are you going? Yeah, no, so, you know, I'm so tired, you know, I really, I'm, I'm doing my best and I'm hanging in there and they're the terms that you tend to hear a lot. And so a re-examination of why you got into this in the first place, that's a great call. I love that. I love that. And I think the second thing is if you kind of say, well, that's great, but like how do I do that? I can't do that. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, you can. I first, I challenge you tomorrow to look at every single person that you have on your client list, examine them from A to D, label all of the ones you want to keep because they bring you joy or they do the right thing and they're a good payer, label them A. Then scale down until the Ds. When you get the ones that are Ds, they're the ones who you're always chasing money for. You're always having to make exceptions. Never want to have to like, oh, it's okay because of that reason. Or they don't want to conform. Let's just say they might be the desktop clients and they will not, for whatever reason, move to software or they won't sign a direct debit and they will only pay you by check. D, right? And from there, get rid of all the Ds. If that means bunching them all up together and selling them as a package or just saying, I'm really sorry, but we're going in a different direction. You don't spark me, Joy. Take Marie Kondo. See you later. (laughs) And then from there, with everyone else, I want you to go back through it and I want you to examine your prices and work out actually how long does it take me and then also go back out of of scope work. How much of these are we getting out of scope? And they should actually be labelled B and Cs because I hope you aren't using out of scope for A people because they should be paying you what you're worth. And then from there, reevaluate. I can guarantee if you do all of that, you will be coming out 30 to 40% more profitable with less clients and more joy. And then if I see you on Facebook after nine o'clock, I know it's because you've got some downtime and being paid what you're worth. <laughs> that, uh, Not I'm, because you've lost passion and you want to retire tomorrow. Yeah, no, I'm doing the boom. Sing, yeah, boom. Well done. That is that is so good. Again, uh, beauty of podcasting. It's not like we've put this on a cassette, but you can just go back ten seconds, ten seconds, ten seconds, and listen to that. That's that is so good, I'm Katie. Happy if anyone even wants to reach out to me and even yeah. just ask me anything because I am so passionate about these like about our industry, finding the passion again, because, and I don't mean it in any disrespect, but as a, a person coming into the industry, I have the worst imposter syndrome because all of you guys are so influential and so amazing with so much diverse experience and culture. I would only hope that I get there one day to have so much of that. But the one thing I find as a young person coming in is roadblocks and mm. Mm-hmm. The roadblock I often have is that we don't have 
the option of pre-COVID when you guys used to know each other face to face. <laughs> it's not, and I actually had another bookkeeper say to me the other day, oh, you young girls, like you young people, you barely pick up the phone and talk to someone. You just jump on Facebook and ask the question. And it's like, well, that's great, but who do we call? Yeah, yeah. We don't have those people, yeah. you know, and I often find that people see it as competition and I just think there's so many clients out there that need our help. There's so many fish in that sea. There's no such thing as competition. I just, yeah, it's. I think that's the one thing I'm finding the hardest being young is that people are seeing that, the, that it's a competition or that I'm, yeah. You are so singing a, a tune that I'm humming along with right now. It is That is so, well, I'm going to put it out there. I'm with you 100% on that. I have said that myself for a long, long time now and uh, I've, I've, I've despaired at times of, of those who, that have come back saying I'm not prepared to do such and such because I fear the competition it might create. Um, well, fear, mm-hmm. fear can be debilitating um, for a start and fear is something that I know it's easy for me to say because I have been around the, the planets a few times now, um, but fear derailed me on, on many occasions in my journey in bookkeeping and I think that's what you're calling out. Um, be prepared to say I'm willing to, to, to accept what Katie's saying as a younger bookkeeper in the space, even though that might not have been the journey I've been on so far, but we can change. We can we can definitely pivot. There's mm. that word again. Tell me, Katie, um, you I know you were also very passionate about working with clients to, to value add back to them. I know Rochelle has told me uh, in the preamble that I had with her and kudos to her. She was very persistent to say, Rob, you want to get this girl on the podcast? She is something and I'm, I'm looking at you right now as you blush. <laughs> what, a, what an amazing uh, employee you've got there. She's, she's your biggest fan, um, mm. clearly. Uh, she, she told me that, um, you know, you rarely have a conversation with a client without saying, let's explore this option when it comes to apps in particular and add-ons and, and other opportunities to work with. What, what it, Share some stories there. What are some things? And I know she also told me about how, uh, conversely, you're, you're pretty quick to go back to some of the developers of these apps and tell them, you know, you need to sharpen your pencil or you need to sharpen a few things here because it's not doing exactly what we need it to do. So our business is pretty much 100% zero uh, yep. and it's not because I feel that the other two are insuperior or the other three are insuperior. It's just I really love working with apps because I like to, again, at the vault, I like to have that connection. So I yes. like to have the ability to find out their pain points, what keeps them awake at night, why are they like, why are they reaching out in the first place because obviously something's not quite right. And nine times out of ten it's because they don't have a system working for them. Most of the time it's in their head or on a whiteboard. Um, so, yeah, I like to find out how we can make their, their job easier, which also entails what makes our job easier. We can only get better and more efficient in our role by accepting technology. If we continue to be resilient to the technology, it's going to outdate us. And Matthew Addison says it all the time. It's not going to take our roles, but we have to diversify with it. We have to go with it. So I often try and work out with a client, and it's usually within the first six to 12 months of having them as a client, what is keeping them awake at night? 
A lot of it is to do with payroll and workplace, like employee management. So a lot of those can be, you know, elite, relieved with tender and key pay or employee hero or things like that. The other time is uh, more to do with, you know, complete systems that will allow yeah. them to not have to deal with debtors. Um, and usually that's what cripples a lot of businesses is just really poor payers. So if we can get that taken off them with an app of some solution, whether it's, you know, service made or work, you know, whatever it happens to be. So, and I know that every client is not the same either. Mainly yeah. we work with building and construction. Uh, we really like working with those type of people. They're right. very accepting yep. of change. They're also in need. They want, they want the help. Uh, we also have a few e-commerce. Now, they're complete opposites to our non-tech-savvy builders usually where they are so far tech-savvy yeah. and it's apps to connect into zero that you need to work with. But recently I actually worked with a cleaning company who is quite large and still are doing things quite manually um, and we have tried numerous softwares to have this work for us and we have even broken the software to the point it just didn't, we tested it so much that we made it just so confused and it didn't, it couldn't do it. So we went back to the developer and said, it doesn't work. We broke it. And they're like, oh, okay, like, well, <laughs> what do you need it to do? And I'm like, da-da-da. Less than six months later, the developer came back to us and said, we got it to work. Will you take it on? So we tried again. <laughs> Good. And it, yeah, so it was really great. And I love working with the software companies to develop their products even better recently. I work really closely with Frank at CanU and I was one of the early adapters to CanU and I'm one of its biggest advocates. But again, it's another software that's quite simple but makes our job so much easier. Yeah, yeah. So I do also think, though, you can get too many and I think that that's when other businesses come in and go, well, hold on, we need to work out what all this is doing for you. And I do see, and more so in the e-com sector, I could see too many apps. And instead of just upgrading an app and clearing out three and paying for one app, they've just got so many plonked on top of each other. And I think that's the biggest thing when you look at someone's profit loss, you go straight to subscription, you go, whoa. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I must admit, I've had that conversation <laughs> with Joe, my uh, long-term employee only recently. She's going, Rob, I think we need to just do ourselves in our own business do a re-examination of the, uh, the expense Ledger called subscriptions. We may have uh, oversubscribed there in in different areas. That that again, some great insights there, Katie. Into um, you know where you see things, and again, inspirational. I think uh, maybe not inspirational is the word, but certainly uh, informative for many listening in right now as they grapple with that. Again, as I've travelled around Australia recently and talked to so many of our amazing people in our community and in our industry, many many grapple or have um, challenges when it comes to apps because they feel as though they perhaps have missed some of the boat along the way of, of what how that works and how that all comes together. Again, I, I, I think what you're saying is be prepared to give it a go, you know, and, and try and examine, talk with your client, talk with, in your case, talk with the app developer itself. And many as we discovered with um, with some of our partners, um, such as Scantech, uh, Expert, a few others that joined us on the road recently, these guys will listen to you. They'll, you go and chat to them, they will listen. Expert is number one at that. Like it's just really, 
like they're huge now, but they're actually based not far from where I live. So Port Macquarie is probably a couple of hours. Um, however, you know, they want to listen and they want yeah. to hear what we need. So I challenge you, if there is an app out there that's interest you, reach out, say that you're a bookkeeper, get yourself a demo and yep. just trial it, um, you know, and, and see. You might even not have someone that actually needs it, but you might be just really interested in what they do. And so that tomorrow you might get that person go, you know what, that's really going to work for them. Yeah, yeah, no, really good, really, really good. So I want to um, just spend a little bit of time as we start to wind down, believe it or not, uh, how quickly time goes by when you're having fun is the old saying. Um, just exploring a little bit about um, Katie the person and I have a little thing called uh, the subsidiary ledger. Now, uh, tell me that, you know, when you did your studies, they did teach you about subsidiary ledgers. You know, it's one of our pain points as an oldie going, they don't teach about subsidiary ledgers anymore. Uh, you're... I am currently doing my diploma in accounting uh-huh. and, oh, gosh. <laughs> we won't go there, but mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll go with uh, that's what I've called this little uh, moment on the podcast, the subsidiary ledger, which basically means we're going to diversify outside the mainstream and just examine a few things about Katie the person. So you kind of maybe have already answered my first question of the subsidiary ledger, and that's uh, you mentioned about, you know, some initial dreams of being a nurse and then a teacher and then worked out that you kind of don't remember names and stuff like that, <laughs> which I found very, uh, very honest and very amusing. Um, so my question, my first question in the subsidiary ledger is, I want you to complete this sentence and we're talking about uh, the, the future more than the past, okay? Complete this sentence. If, if you uh, were to no longer be a bookkeeper and you could choose anything in life to do, what would it be dot, dot, dot? (laughs) Is it just a bookkeeper? Are you so now passionate? (laughs) Yeah, actually had a bit of a thought the other week. Um, I really would like to get into psychology. Okay. Um, There you go. I love, again, it's back to helping people. I am surrounded by a lot of uh, beautiful people um, who are struggled with and overwhelmed with mental health. And I think it's a huge, huge area that's going to unfortunately boom. Um, so I've always had this thought that maybe that be it, but I really do love just working with people every day. And I don't think, again, I care too much. So I don't think mentally I could probably take that on, but possibly maybe psychology. Can I suggest, so I probably, I did, I, I could have <laughs> um, um, given a better preamble on this question. So that's great, your answer. Like <laughs> yeah, I'm going with uh, Rob Marshall goes, if I no longer was a bookkeeper and I could be anything that I want to, it would be travelling the world, uh, oh, w- watching cricket. That was probably what it would be. Now, I know mm. I know caravanning. I've heard you talk about yes. caravanning. Yeah, tell us about yes. caravanning. Um, so, car- yeah, love to travel, love to experience the world, um, and I love to show my children what more there is, so practical learning. Uh, my husband would have it in a heartbeat if we could travel and do the lap of Australia. However, as yep. much as I love him dearly, I also love space mm-hmm. um, and just, yeah, so I think travelling the world would definitely be my number one bucket list while probably shopping. 
<laughs> we'll just throw that in on the side. Yep. Yeah, I love to shop. Yes. I'm good at shopping. Yeah, well. I'm good at spending people's money. Here's an introduction, an introduction to Jackie Marshall, my wife. She will join you and she'll just keep going. Yeah. It's even nicer when it's not your money. Yeah, well. So yes. maybe I could be someone's shopping assistant. That yeah, would be lovely. Well, there you or go. Or personal baggy chandler. There were no rules with that question. You can be anything no. you want to. So there you go. All right, let's go to question two. And this is kind of a leading question as well because you've told me a little bit about your your passions, your hobbies and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You are at an ICB event like like we've just had at Summit, and I know you attended in Sydney, I think it was. Uh, We're face-to-face. And you've talked about, you know, the importance or the challenge of connection and connecting with Mm -hmm. the village is a term that you you threw at me recently, and I love that, the village. So you're with your ICB village after the event, and we're having, as we do, some drinks. What What is Katie drinking? What is Katie having uh, in the village um, at, for a drink? Well, it depends how many I've had first. But if I've had a couple <laughs> first, I'll have a margarita. A margarita, um, nice. Yeah, so yeah. there's like, yeah, the shoes are coming off and the jacket's coming off, then definitely margarita. <laughs> but if I'm with the jacket on and I'm being professional, I'll have a Sav Blanc or Pinot Grigio. Okay, But if it's right. fun me, I'm definitely a mug. Okay, question three. I um I think I've called this out before, but um, I've I, I may have run with this one before. But when I was growing up, Katie, we're talking nineteen seventies, early eighties. Um, there was the the Jaws series of movies. So mm-hmm. uh, Jaws, Jaws one in particular, or just Jaws as it was called. I watched Jaws as I think I was about nine or ten at the time. And as a result, I've never dipped my big toe in a rain gauge since I'm that scared of water. So um, <laughs> I don't go, I've lived near the beach my whole life and I don't even go near, you know, maybe to the edge. That's about all. Um, what's a movie that you remember influenced you growing up or had some sort of impact on you? Well, if I'm going with that you don't go in water anymore, I don't go any drains right. or red balloons. Ah, uh-huh. I think I know or where you're clowns. going with this. Yeah, clowns, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was one scary uh, my movie. My dad is a horror fanatic. Heavy metal and horror. I can do heavy metal. I just can't do horror anymore. Nah. And yeah, definitely cannot do circuses or clowns. And my <laughs> kids think it's hilarious to scare mum with clowns. <laughs> so yeah, that it was probably the movie. That yeah. influenced me. Okay, yeah, I've got uh, got a son who's a bit like you has uh, an, an <laughs> adverse reaction to clowns because of those movies. Yeah. All right. Last question of our subsidiary ledger, and then uh, we 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 need to to wind up um, today's episode. Sadly, but um, you you don't have um, perhaps the history that some of us have had of the length of time on this earth, but. History itself goes back for all of us forever. If you were able to have one person from history over for tea tonight that kind of resonates with Katie Williams and and what you would love to explore with this person, who would it be? One person from history, you can have you can choose anybody you like for tea tonight. Who's it gonna be? Um this is probably going to start. I actually really would love to have dinner with Amanda Linton. I think she is one of the most inspiring <laughs> oh, women wow. I have ever met. Oh, I love, wow. I just love her 
enthusiasm. I love her passion. I love where she came from and where she's been. Um, and obviously with her, like with Leanne by her side. Yes. Um, and if I could put one more in, it would probably be Deborah Anderson. Again, another real influential person with me. Look, those two are just gonna. I can see their smiles already because yeah. I talk, I deal I just, with them most days, and uh, they're mm. gonna love that. They're uh, well done. That is yeah. very, very just good. Because I I don't have the, the the experience, and I just I just find them really amazing and all like yeah. Wow. Well, so it's like, I, can you sign my? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I'm pretty confident we can organise that one. I, you know, I was thinking, you know, Gandhi, or um, I was thinking, you know, maybe Julius Caesar or somebody like that. That those sort of guys I don't have a lot of influence on. But uh, Deborah Anderson, uh, sorry, Deborah Thompson, was it? Or Deborah? No, it was Deborah Anderson. Deborah TV Anderson, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah Deborah Anderson, Anderson. Yeah, 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 Deborah, Deborah um, Anderson. No, I mean, Amanda Linton would be my number one for a solo dinner. Uh, look, look, those guys. And Deb Thompson, who's a former um, oh, yes. uh, interviewee. Yeah, yeah, we love Deb as well. But uh, Deborah Anderson and Amanda Linton, well, you you enjoy that moment. I'm sure they're going to replay that over and over again. <laughs> they're loving that. So well done. <laughs> Katie Williams, um, we need to, to start to wrap this up. I, I mentioned right at the get-go that one of the things that certainly became obvious to me when, and I didn't know you all that well until recent times and a couple of conversations, but... One thing, certainly from Rochelle, is the the constant is your your passion for the future of our community, the passion for our industry moving forward as professional association as a professional body, um, but also as professional bookkeepers. We had a, a strong theme this year at Summit of uh, the professional bookkeeper in two thousand and twenty three and beyond. Now, I suspect you're going to play. Uh, a very, very big impact in the and beyond. In in a in a minute or two, where do you see the beyond? It's a tough one. Yeah, I feel like we're still going to have the same moral that we're there for the business. We're going to be still, if not more crucial to a business than ever before because the way that technology is evolving so quickly, people's businesses are going to have to pivot, and we need to be there to help them pivot. Yeah. So I feel like for a bookkeeper, we need to be ahead of that pivot. Um, we also need to have learned to pivot our own business if you haven't already, if we haven't already done that. Um, and it's not going to be so much as the actual hard data entering because obviously I feel like AI will take over a lot of that for us. Mm-hmm. But it's also about just allowing them to also feel like they have a lot of sole business people are just one banders and they need someone else to help them and to, you know, nurture them, to be their village. And I feel like that's where we're going to belong. We're going to be the nurses to the doctors. We're going to be, <laughs> we're going to be their comfort. Katie, so much. I've <laughs> I said I started this episode by using words like thrilled and excited, and I'm probably more thrilled and more excited now, having spoken to you for the last uh, fifty minutes or sixty minutes, probably uh, close close to that now. Um, what you're doing with the Vault Bookkeeping is exceptional. Congratulations on what you've done. Um, congratulations on on working through those challenges that we we spoke about, and you you clearly you know had to to deal with. Um, at the time, and and probably at the time, questioned a lot of things as well as many as many of us do. You've, yeah, we won't go with you've come out the other side, but you've just worked through that and you've continued to expand on that vision that you had right from the start. Your 
number one call out for me in this um, in this episode has been uh, re-reminding ourselves of why we got into this in the first place and that's something you could almost uh, uh, write on the wall uh, for the listeners tuning in, write it, on the, write it on the whiteboard and consider that every day you walk into your office or at home, why, why am I doing this? Why am I here uh, doing what I do? And that in itself will bring about revelation, I'm certain of that. Your wisdom uh, is exceptional, Katie. I, I really, really hope that you continue to, to to work through that vision that you've had for a while now, as we we spoke about earlier, and that you can uh, reach that accomplishment that you're you're seeking to do. Well done to Rochelle uh, for getting being so persistent to get uh, Katie Williams on Heart of the Book, Eva, because. Uh, this has been a gem of an episode and we really appreciate it, Katie. And as I do, I'd love for you to have the last word, whatever that might be. Find why you're doing it and be passionate about it. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. All the best, Katie. Thank you for joining us on Heart of the Bookkeeper today and uh, we will continue to watch this space. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. It's been a joy. Thanks, guys. Well, that was totally refreshing and at the same time, contain incredible wisdom and foresight coming from somebody you could argue well ahead of her time. Katie, you are a superstar in my mind in our community for what you have already achieved, but more importantly, for what is yet to come. I, and I'm sure we, can't wait to see how that all plays out. All the very best, Katie. We will be cheering you on from the sidelines, no doubt. And as always, thank you for joining us today on this episode of Heart of the Bookkeeper. We look forward to you joining us again soon on our next episode. And as always, we love your heart.